your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian gets the snap, holds it, looks, sets, throws, pass, caught one, yeah, first down, hits on the 20, 15, shoots the defender, 10, 5, touchdown, Nebraska, Juan Dale Robinson's first touchdown as a Cornhusker. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Thank you and welcome to our Wednesday edition of Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you had a great day today. Thank you so much for spending some of your Wednesday night with us. We've got a big hour ahead. Going to chat as we do, as we have been doing here on Wednesday nights with University President Ted Carter. And also later in the hour, we'll hear from the head basketball coach, Fred Hoiberg. Josh told you in the ticker that Nebraska picked up five signatures today, five new members for the Husker basketball recruiting class, an exciting group. All of them have played at the major college level uh, in their careers. So this is a lot of experience being added to this Nebraska basketball program. We'll get the head coach's thoughts about the group and still maybe more to come because with the addition of the five today, it still leaves them one shy of the 13-person limit uh, with their uh, the basketball programs. Looking forward to hearing from the coach. We'll also update you more on our Sports Highly Baseball League, which we are launching here on the eve of launching that. We had the fans draft earlier today, so we'll give you all the particulars about that. But for the last couple of Wednesdays, we've had a chance to sit down and chat with University of Nebraska President Ted Carter. He joins us again here tonight. President, thank you so much for joining us again. I know your time is valuable, and we do appreciate this, and you kind of updating all of our listeners across the state and across the country, for that matter, about what's happening. I loved your comment earlier today that you you are a glass half full kind of person. I view myself much in the same way. And our audience is asking us, thinking about this constantly about, are we going to have college football in the fall? You, you at this point, at least feel optimistic, I guess, about all this. Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, and I've said this before, I'm a huge sports fan. I love the whole concept of sports and, uh, you know, the spirit of competition, you know, uh, here in Nebraska, uh, one of the, the great things about being here is how much people love their athletics here, especially at the college level. So, uh, yeah, I, I, like everybody else, want to see us uh, back to uh, some sense of normalcy and see sports come back. Um, Scott Frost and I talk often, and I'm staying plugged in at the higher level um, in terms of uh, some of the discussions going on. Um, so, yeah, right now, I mean, we're still five months plus away. There's a lot more that's going to happen. Um, but I'm optimistic for two big things. One is that we'll be able to bring students back to the campus uh, in the fall, and that's important because you can't have college athletics unless the campuses are back open and uh, going back to some level of normalcy. And then, of course, uh, how do we get back to the sports that we love? And, you know, I think there's a chance that they may not start exactly on time, depending on what the situation is. But uh, uh, I think there's a great desire to get back to NCAA football uh, as I said earlier today, there's there's 130 teams in FBS, and uh, we've got to find a way to make it work for all of them. Um, so, yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done there, but I'm optimistic. Well, thank you for giving us that update uh, with us here tonight. Now, yesterday, you and the chancellors sent out a note to the students, the faculty, and the staff to let them know that this virus is, is creating a financial challenge for the university, of course, that certainly affects athletics as well. Can you recap some of the steps that, that you are now taking uh, from the university standpoint? Yeah, we're, we're just doing uh, what we should be doing. I mean, this is due diligence work. 
Uh, everybody's feeling the economic impact of the pandemic, uh, whether it be through furloughed or lost jobs here in our community, shut down restaurants and bars. Uh, we've been very fortunate in the university system to be able to protect uh, you know, the, the livelihood of our faculty and staff. We've continued on with our mission while protecting our students and our faculty and staff as best we can from the virus. But there's no doubt there's been an economic impact. I mean, we've given uh, refunds back for uh, lost revenues on dorm use, uh, certain fees, uh, and, you know, Obviously, we're paying attention to the rest of what higher education is going through. Some are planning for as much as a 15% drop in enrollment. I'd like to think uh, because 80% of our students are from Nebraska, we won't go to that type of drop. Uh, but we're planning for, you know, how do we maintain our reserves? We're thinking about this, how we do this, uh, not only through, uh, you know, what we lost in revenues in the spring from uh, loss of those sports programs, but what might be the impact uh, going forward. So right now, I would I would tell you we're about $50 million down in revenue going through the rest of this fiscal year. That's the end of June. Um, so we've done some specific things to uh, kind of make sure we're set up best for success for what's coming forward. Uh, we've put a freeze on hiring uh, across all of our campuses. Uh, obviously, nobody's really traveling very much, but we put a limit on travel and other expenses. Um, we're uh, taking a case-by-case -case look at any uh, capital building projects unless they were already underway. Uh, and we're even uh, taking a look at, uh, you know, how best to manage uh, pay raises um, and, and those types of things. So, you know, we're trying to be as smart as we can. Uh, I dictated to all the chancellors on all four of our main campuses that we would try to achieve a three to 4% savings over the next fiscal year. And I think we'll be able to do that. And then looking forward uh, into the next fiscal year, obviously with, you know, roughly about $600 million of our you know, annual budget coming from the state legislature, uh, we're, we're tied to uh, how the economy looks to them and then tied to the economy that looks for our revenue. So we're, we're doing everything we can to be strategically placed to make sure that we remain vibrant. And uh, again, at the end of the day, it's all about our students. We wanna make sure they feel like they are welcome back. Uh, you know, for the seniors that are graduating this year, we wanna make sure we continue to celebrate them. We'll look for those opportunities, even though we won't be having large commencements but welcoming our other students back and then letting those uh, prospective freshmen know that we have a place for them. Uh, we're gonna give them the best price point there is in the Big Ten or any of our other competitive campuses, uh, and we're thinking about them. Again, we're visiting with University of Nebraska President Ted Carter here on Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network. We've heard a lot about the CARES Act, President, which was recently passed by Congress. Some of that $2 trillion, I would think, would benefit some Nebraskans. Do you expect any relief from the federal this federal action that was taken? Yeah, we'll certainly see our share. Uh, interestingly, some of that money will go directly to the campuses. We'll we'll make sure that uh, we put the right level of oversight and uh, that they're they're using that properly. And, and I know they will. Half of that money that goes directly to the campuses is about thirty million dollars across our four main campuses. Give you a sense. We're talking roughly about sixteen million for the uh, University of Nebraska Lincoln. Uh, half of that money will go to support students directly, and the other half will help the uh, lost revenues from uh, COVID-19. So again, if we think big picture, roughly $30 million from uh, you know that stimulus package, and we already see ourselves down around 50 million, like a lot of these relief packages, they're incredibly welcome, but they will not be a long range solution. They'll be an impact help. Um, so we're gonna have to think strategically long-term as to how we're gonna you know, uh, deal with the offsets and some of these uh, you know, financial challenges. 
Yeah, let's go there next. I mentioned the, the, the reach out you had earlier this week to your faculty and students. The, the university community referred to it as the next normal. Can you expound on that a little bit for us? Well, I, I'd say there's two pieces to that. Um, you know, some of the uh, the hygiene things that we've learned here will probably start to change our habits even when we start to look like things have opened back up. Um, I think it'll be a long time coming before we, you know, put 90,000 people in Memorial Stadium. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I'd like to see this go back to that pretty quickly, but that could be a while. Um, but I, I, more strategically thinking, I'm talking about uh, just how higher ed delivers its product. Uh, because we were forced to do it, we went to remote education, uh, a little bit different than online education, and I'll try to explain that simply. You know, online education is where you take a bunch of academic products and you hang them somewhere on the internet, and the student goes and gets them at their at their time when they want to get them. Uh, remote education is often done uh, uh, synchronously, meaning that a faculty or teacher will put out a product, whether it be through a Zoom call or a Skype call or through other sort of telecommunication, but it's happening real time. So it's synchronized with the students. Uh, we've done an awful lot in this space. Uh, and I think that we've been pretty effective with that. And there'll be even more innovations to be done with experiential learning. So big campuses and universities that get that right going in the future may find that that's a education space that will grow. Uh, certainly, there will be some students that choose to not to travel across uh, country to go to school or even travel out of state. Uh, I'd like to think that we will be a welcoming place for all Nebraskans as they think about where they want to get their higher education experience. And even before the coronavirus, uh, we were looking at about 35% of all in-residence students doing some level of online education. I think that's going to grow. So we need to not over or undervalue that, but embrace it and be ready to go to that. So that's some of the things that we're thinking about. Some of our faculty have learned a tremendous amount and done just a fantastic job transitioning to this remote type of education. Ted, I'm sure we have folks listening tonight that, that have been affected in their pocketbook with all of this, whether they've been laid off, furloughed, whatever the case may be. Maybe they've lost their job because of the virus and their company situation, and they may be having somebody in their family who's about to go to college or who is in one of the schools in the state of Nebraska right now and wondering whether it's worth it to keep pushing through with higher education. What would your message be to those folks? Yeah, we're, uh, we're sensitive to that situation and we understand uh, these are challenging times. I know they will get better. Uh, so I will give that voice of optimism, but, uh, as I have uh, taken a look at uh, you know, where we want to go strategically with the university over the next three years, and I think we'll deal with some financial challenges uh, through our revenue uh, over the next three years, uh, we want to make sure that we're principally taking care of Nebraskans. So uh, I won't make a headline tonight, but I'll share with you that uh, Friday we'll be making an announcement. There'll be more announcements coming about how we're going to best take care of Nebraskans especially those that are in the middle income and lower income families uh, and and everyone else that's either uh, been a student on our campus or thinking about. Uh, but the message is really simple. We want you to come to our campus. The value of education will matter uh, going into the future. Uh, we want to be, uh, you know, that opportunity for our students to come here. Um, you know, we're already the best price point in the Big Ten and any of our other competitors, and we want to make sure that we maintain that edge. 
Ted, um, great message. We'll look forward to the, those announcements coming up here later this week. We always appreciate you coming on and sharing your thoughts. It's a very valuable thing, I think, for the state of Nebraska to be hearing from you in these troubling times. Stay healthy. Stay safe. I know we all know better days are ahead. We want them sooner than later, but we just sometimes have to be a little bit patient. Yeah, thank you, Greg, and it's always good to talk to you. Today opened the month-long signing period for college basketball, and it was a busy one for the Huskers as Fred Hoiberg and the staff announced the signatures of five young men to be added to the program. And Coach joins us now on our Woodhouse Auto Family Sports Nightly Hotline. Coach, thank you so much for being here with us tonight. Congratulations on this five-person class. Your thoughts about this group? Yeah, thanks, Craig. I'm really, really excited about this group of players that we're adding to our roster uh, for next year. And uh, it's a group that's very versatile. It's going to allow us to play a lot of different lineups, a lot of different ways. Uh, It's going to give us great depth. Uh, It's got experience. Uh, It's got positional size and, uh, you know, should be uh, uh, something that a lot of Husker fans should be excited about. Let's start with Teddy Allen, the young man from the, from the state of Nebraska. He's bounced around a little bit, but everywhere he has been, he's had an impact on the offensive end of the floor. What do you like about Teddy's game? Yeah, Teddy, is uh, he had an unbelievable year at uh, Western Nebraska, and uh, he led, led the nation in scoring in junior college. He averaged over 31 points a game, uh, seven and a half rebounds. So, you know, at his position, which he can play both forward spots, uh, he'll play all over the floor for us just because of his ability to score the basketball. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of a, a true combo forward player. Uh, he averaged seven and a half rebounds, uh, you know, as, as a uh, mostly small forward. So that's a very impressive number and also almost four assists. Uh, you know, the great thing about it is, you know, a lot of times when players are volume shooters, they don't shoot great percentage. But Teddy was a 51% uh, shooter overall, shot uh, almost 38% from the three-point line, and he was an 88% uh, free-throw shooter, and he shot the third-most free-throw attempts in uh, in junior college last year. Uh, he's got experience as well. He's played in the NCAA tournament with West Virginia. He had a couple double-digit games uh, in the tournament. Uh, great experience playing for an unbelievable coach, who I have a lot of respect for, and Bob Huggins. Uh, and again, had a great year uh, this past season, so he'll be a great addition to our team. You also signed a couple of Kobe's. Let's start with Kobe King, a young guy that maybe his name may be familiar to Husker fans because he played in the Big Ten at Wisconsin. Tell us about Kobe King. Yeah, Kobe's another uh, very versatile player. He's got great strength and physicality, really a tough, tough kid. Uh, you know, we played against him the first time in our game uh, at Wisconsin. He actually led Wisconsin in scoring in uh, the nine Big Ten games that he played, almost uh, 13 points per game on 52% shooting. Uh, he's a guy you can play, you know, he's got a very unique skill set because he's a very good post player. Uh, Wisconsin does a great job with that, with their guards. Uh, as far as posting them up, uh, but he's also very dynamic off the bounce, and I think we can really uh, make him a reliable three-point shooter. I really like his stroke. Uh, you know, another guy that's got NCAA uh, tournament experience, which is invaluable, uh, and, uh, you know, a guy that is a hard-nosed uh, defender that can I, I think can defend multiple positions. So, uh, you know, another guy that's a great addition to our team. The other Kobe, Kobe Webster from Western Illinois University. What attracted you to him? Yeah, Kobe, uh, you know, three-year starter uh, in the Summit League, uh, you know, a guy that uh, improved every year uh, with his numbers and with his play, a uh, guy that can play uh, both with the ball in his hands and off the ball. Uh, you know, he's a combo, uh, you know, true combo guard, uh, you know, played a lot of point guard uh, for Western Illinois, 
uh, this year and averaged over 17 points per game. Uh, you know, he's a guy that also is very good. He was fourth uh, in his league in uh, in assist to turnover ratio uh, as well. So a guy that's got really good experience. He started all three years uh, that he was there. His assist numbers uh, went up every year. He had a 40 point game uh, in in in, uh, in their league play uh, last year, and he can really really shoot the basketball. So I think he'll play very well. Again, he can play with the ball in his hands, but I think he'll also play. Uh, very well, you know, in the backcourt with uh, Delano Banton or, uh, you know, with any of those other players, uh, you know, that we've either added to our roster or, or, or are returning. So, uh, you know, again, a guy that's got experience, I think he's going to be a very good leader uh, for this group and be very good for our, our young group of players. Another backcourt player that you've added is Trey McGowans, who had a really good year at Pittsburgh. Tell me about the, the path of getting Trey onto the roster. Yeah, Trey is, uh, he's a guy that played in an unbelievable league, obviously, in the ACC. And in his two seasons at Pitt, he started 64 of the uh, the 66 games that they played. Uh, his average almost 12 points in his two years. Uh, the thing that I really like, you see what happened to his assist numbers in year two. They really went up. And I think he's a guy that can put the ball in his hands uh, and he can really facilitate the offense. And, you know, as we talk about this with all these guys that I think have the ability to play make, uh, when I look back at my best teams that I had uh, at Iowa State, you had five guys on the floor that could make a play and could make a shot. Uh, you know, Trey certainly fits uh, into that. And, again, he's another guy that can play all over the floor uh, because of his uniqueness uh, of his skill set and his ability uh, to score the ball at all three levels. He had a 30-point uh, game against Florida State and a 33-point game uh, against Louisville in the last couple of years. So, um, you know, again, a very, very – uh, versatile scorer, the basketball, tough kid, athletic, uh, and a guy that has great experience as well. One taller guy in this class is Lat Mayan, a young guy who I know started at TCU. He's been at the junior college level. Give our audience a little bit of taste of what Lat brings to the table. Yeah, I really like Lat. He's uh, he's a guy that uh, when we went down and saw him at Chipola Junior College, you could just see, first of all, his shooting stroke for his size as a front court player. Uh, he's a guy that has a, a, a very uh, pure shooting stroke. He's a 38 uh, percent three-point shooter uh, this last year, and their point guard got hurt. So a lot of those he had to create uh, on his own. Uh, he's also an 82 percent free-throw shooter, which is very good for a player that's six foot nine. Uh, one thing that I love about him, he had eight double doubles this year. So he's he's a guy that can really stretch the floor, but he's also a guy uh, that can get in there and mix it up and in an excellent uh, rebounder. He averaged almost nine rebounds uh, per game this last year, so almost a, a average a double double. Uh, and again, another guy that had uh, experience in a Power Five conference at TCU, where he played for a great coach. So, uh, you know, again, really uh, excited about this group of guys. Uh, you know, for all the reasons that we talked about. Uh, but it's uh, it's going to be again with with what you look at in the Big Ten. You have to have size. You have to have physicality. And I think we're getting all that with this group. Busy again with Husker head coach Fred Hoiberg here on Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network. This leaves you with twelve scholarship players. One short of the limit, I would guess. Then you're not done with this spring period, correct? Yeah, we're we're still looking. Uh, obviously, we'd like to uh, get some depth uh, in our in our front court uh, again with uh, with the way that we really got exposed, uh, especially on the glass uh, this last year. If we could get some help uh, inside, I think that would be you know something that we'll look to uh, for that last scholarship. So you know, we're always looking. It's obviously a time of year where. Uh, you've seen a lot of transfer kids that are leaving, and, you know, they still continue. Uh, you see more names going in uh, to the portal uh, every day. But, you know, there's also some really good high school players uh, that we're looking at as well that have yet to sign. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're really excited about the five we've signed. We've got one more 
And, uh, you know, we think we're in pretty good shape uh, with a couple of very uh, high-profile players. Coach, how challenging has it been to operate under these conditions where you can't go out and see prospective student-athletes and they can't come see you? How challenging has that been? Yeah, it it is a challenge, Gray. It's just you know, it's it's very strange to be honest with you. It's just uh, you know such a crazy time uh, in all of our lives right now with everything going on in the world. But uh, you know the one thing, and you know with with what we do here is everybody's in the same boat. It's not like anybody's got an advantage over anybody else because uh, we're all playing under the same rules right now. Uh, it's been a lot of calls. It's been a lot of FaceTime. I didn't know what Zoom was. Uh, <laughs> Three weeks ago, I now know Zoom very well. Uh, you know, FaceTime calls, watching film, watching edits, uh, doing virtual tours of the campus and of the facilities. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of things uh, that we're trying to do to stay ahead and, and to stay innovative, uh, you know, throughout this time and throughout this period. Uh, you know, the other thing is with our existing student athletes, what we're trying to do with them as far as uh, within the rules, what we can do with them as far as getting them uh, you know, workouts that they can do at home and obviously trying to stay on top of their academic work, which everything is online uh, right now. So really it's just been a ton of time on the phone and, and uh, you know, through video conferences uh, with the players and with the staff and just trying to stay ahead of the game. But, you know, for everything going on right now, uh, you know, for uh, the circumstances that we have for trying to put this recruiting class together, we're really, really excited. Coach, a tip of the cap to you. You led a charge yesterday on Takeout Tuesday to, to feed some of our medical personnel over at the CHI Center, the St. Elizabeth Hospital over on 70th Street. Why, why did you find that to be important? Well, it, it is important, first of all, to show support for uh, the healthcare workers. They're, you know, they're doing so much to keep everybody safe right now through this incredibly difficult time. And, you know, you just can't thank, uh, you know, those, those people enough for everything that they are doing uh, you know, to keep to keep all of us safe uh, throughout this time. So, you know, just wanted to show appreciation for that. Uh, you know, the other thing is is to try to, uh, you know, to help out with uh, local businesses and, uh, you know, to try to keep, you know, these businesses afloat uh, throughout this tough time, something that they've never been through, obviously, uh, at all. So, you know, just trying to do things to, uh, to show appreciation, uh, you know, trying to work with different organizations uh, to try to help a lot of people in need. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, just a small token of our appreciation for uh, for what they're doing on a daily basis. Well, it didn't go unnoticed. It's a great gesture on your part, and we certainly appreciate that. Again, congratulations on this class. Stay healthy. We'll keep following the progress of this program. Okay, Greg, you as well. Thank you. It's time for Famous Dave's Faceoff. Famous Dave's, America's favorite barbecue, offers award-winning, mouth-watering, house-smoked barbecue for pickup, curbside, or delivery. Order three ways, online at FamousDaves.com, through the Famous Dave's app, or call your nearest location in Lincoln, Omaha, or Bellevue. Famous Dave's, locally and veteran-owned. Let's go. Mano a mano. You, me, right here, right now. Now, here are your hosts, Josh Hilkeman and Brett Whitty. Yeah, that's right. Just when you guys thought you were going to get comfortable and know what was coming at you, we throw a curveball, and Brett Whitty is now the co-host. Hi, Brett. Oh, boy. Hey, Brett. Hey, guys. I, I, I heard you getting into a groove last week and, and like a match in the woods. I'm here to just burn it all to the ground. <laughs> Good. Cool. Looking forward to it. Welcome aboard. Man. Nice start. Yeah, good stuff. Just like this is no different than buy-sell. We're 
No. Brett and Tim are both around just to keep you guys in check. All right. Well, let's jump into uh, the first question for tonight. Again, a best four out of seven here. First question, what four sports did Jackie Robinson play while in college at UCLA? Greg. All right, Greg, you're first up. Track and field. Is track and field on the list? It sure is. All right, are you going to pass or play? I'll play. All right, go for it. My second guess would be baseball. Is baseball on the list? Sure is. That's what he went on to play professionally for the Dodgers. Little trivia: the name of their ballpark, UCLA's campus, is Jackie Robinson Field. So good stuff. I like that. No bonus happen. points for that. Sorry. Come on, <laughs> man. Man. Um, I'm gonna say football. Show me football. That's correct. So you've got three of the four needed, Greg. You have one to go. No strikes. You have a lot of room to play with here. Yeah, I do. Uh, this is the one that worried me, and this is the one I almost why well, I passed, but I figured I got three shots of this. I'm going to guess lacrosse. Is lacrosse on the list? Oh. Not. There's one strike. Let's I try basketball. All right. <laughs> Let's show me basketball for the win on this point. You got wow. it. He played those four sports, baseball, basketball, football, and track and field at UCLA. Good job, Greg. You're up one to nothing. Nice. Yeah, well, looks like you nothing's had that changed one, ben. there. You, ben, would you have got that one? I probably would have guessed basketball, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all about all right. getting the, the, first, uh, the first answer, buzzing in quickly. Yeah. Question number two. Name the four MLB teams that win multiple World Series since the year 2000. Greg. All right, Greg, you're up again first. The New York Yankees. Are the Yankees up there? Do we have the Yankees? I'll play. All right. I'm shutting Ben out right here. Oh, man. I'm mad about this this draft I got stolen (laughs) the other day. I can kind of tell. A little edge to me. That's right. I like it. All right. Teams that have won multiple World Series this century, correct? Correct. Yes. Let's go with the Boston yep, Red Sox. Do we have the Red Sox? Boom. What's another one? The San Francisco Giants. Got it. The, the even years. Yeah. First coach, he had, a, had that thing cranking out 10, there in 12, San Francisco 14. for a while. Yeah. All right. One more. Okay, one more. How about the uh, St. Louis Cardinals? Show me the Cardinals. Wow, that is a Dang it. another clean sweep there. Oh. Greg up 2-0. I was hoping you wouldn't come up with that one. Yeah. So the I'm Yank- really liking this segment. What years were the Cardinal wins? The Cardinals were 06 and 11. 11. Okay. Red Sox, 04, 07, 18. The Yankees, 2000 and 2009. All right, let's move on to question number three. This was the one that was left off last week. It was the seventh question. So it is a little bit higher difficulty, but we wanted to get it in this week. Uh, so question number three. Tiger Woods has won the Masters five times in his career. What are the five years he's won the Masters? Ben. All right, Ben, you get the first crack at this one. 
2001? Uh, is 2001 on the board? There is. Now the question, passing or playing? Again, he's won it five times. You named 2001 as your first I'm gonna guess. I'm going to play it. Okay. Um, 2019. It's 2019 up there. Of course it is. That's one of the easier ones as well. 1998. 1998. Correct. That is a strike. So one strike for you, Ben. 1999. It's 1999 up there. Oh. Correct. That's two I feel like strikes. There's another one in that in that period there. There might be. Greg's sitting in the wings, just waiting. There's two spots. left, right? There's three left. Still three. Three left. No pressure on him. This year, for for some reason, this year is <laughs> jumping out at me. I'm gonna say 2004. Is it 2004? That's three strikes. Sorry. So, Greg, all you have to do is get one of the three that are left, and you steal it. But if you get it wrong on your guess. 2004 was Phil Mickelson's Ooh. first Masters, by the way. Greg, Greg's going to 1997. Is it 1997 for the win? Sure Man. is. So close. You, you were all the way around it, Ben. You had 98, 99. So the well, other let years. Me guess, let me guess. O two. Yep, that's another one. And, and I didn't know the fifth one. The fifth one that's is two thousand five. Five. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, this is the way that it started last week as well. Greg out to a three zero lead as we go to question number four. Golf's just not my. No, not my not, real house. Was, you needed to get no. one of the first two to stay in it, Ben. And I'm not saying you're done yet, but it's it's looking rough. W which sport is? Is it tennis that's in your wheelhouse, Ben? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I, by Sal, it's Husker volleyball. You always, you always get the Husker volleyball. Oh, okay, that, okay. I turned the corner on that one. Yeah. There we go. That's right. All right. Uh, question number four here. Greg up three nothing. Who were the top four point scorers per game in the NBA when the 2019-2020 season was suspended? Greg. All right. Man, first shot at it, Greg. Uh, I'll go James Harden. <laughs> Is James Harden up there? Do we have? Yeah. <laughs> He sure is. I'm going to pass this to Ben. Ooh, interesting strategy. Yeah, good. I like that. Glad. Ooh, Ben Gian wants all of it. I'll say Giannis. Is Giannis up there? Is Giannis on there? Yeah. Top four, so right. two more. Correct. Two, two more. more. And they are the tougher of the two, I would say. Damian Lillard. Is Damian up there? Wow. Ooh. Really? Nope. Nope. Yeah, these. This is tough. This, yeah, you're gonna think think outside the box here. Um. Well, I know this is hard because I don't know if he was injured or not. Hmm. Brandon Ingram. Interesting. Is Brandon Ingram up there for the Pelicans? Now this is probably going against the rules, but I feel like I should give you a hint here. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so too. Just yeah, I think the, a hint would. One, one of the guys up here was really hot for a while, right before the the end of end yeah, of this. Yeah, that he was, was Damian Lillard. Well, yeah, but he yeah, he that, had a bunch of high thing. scoring games right before the uh, season was suspended. Man, all these hints they're throwing, Ben, is unbelievable. <laughs> I have just as many guesses <laughs> yeah. as you do now. 
That's true. I gave um, you one of the answers. There's two. I left. would be shocked. Yeah, two <laughs> right, left. Two. Yeah. Man, okay. Bradley Beal. Confident Do about we have that. Bradley one. Beal. That was yeah. That was Josh's hint. That for was you. my hint. Okay. Yeah. I, w- I have another right hint by. that would 100% give it the last one away, but I'm not going to yeah. say it. No more hints. You, no more so hints. So we got the top three. Who is number four, Ben? Number four. four, four the I just I don't know if I, I really want to guess this guy, but I don't know if he qualifies. Hmm. Now I want to know. I want to know, too. Man. I really thought Lillard was there. That kind of yeah. rattled me, to be honest. It sure did. You got to come back. Though. You got to collect yourself. And, and the two guys I'm thinking of are are injured so much. I don't know. I don't know that they qualify yeah. to be in there. Um, to recap, you've said Hard or Greg said Harden. You said Beal and Giannis. Yeah, he gave me one of the answers. His easiest one. Give me a. Give me Joel Embiid. Ooh, interesting. Show me Joel Embiid. So, Greg. I, I don't know this. Well, that's, that's, that's why I took Embiid, because I thought maybe that would be the one that you guessed. Yeah. Be mad All right. Well, right. so, Greg, you have a shot to steal it here. Are you – you have one guess. Um, oh, I think I know who it is. Trey Young. Is it no! Trey Young Whoa! for the win? Whoa! No! I really didn't know. I just threw that out there. It came to me at the last wow. second. Wow. I, I can promise over? you guys I wouldn't have gotten those. That means it's over. That is a clean this sweep. This ended. So I, what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to update you guys on what the, the total is now. Greg, you're now up 3-1 to one on, on the weeks that we've played. You've won three of the four matchups, and you've now won 15 rounds. Ben, you've won nine <laughs> so far. <laughs> Uh, I, I was keeping. I've been keeping track of your right answers, um, and going into this week, Greg, you were up 37 to 34 on correct answers given. You're going to extend that advantage by quite a bit with those mm-hmm. first two questions when you uh, swept both of those categories. Have we told Brett about the the Chiefs question last week? I don't know. I feel like we referenced it on happened? seven on seven, but yeah, we can go through that again. Ben got named the last four Chiefs number one draft picks, and the one he didn't get was Patrick Mahomes. Uh, okay, no, 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 no. You're Back kidding. up. The one I didn't get. Whoa. There were two I didn't get, and we wouldn't have come up. I wouldn't have come up with the third, one, the last one, so it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> if you're so gonna, if you're like gonna bury me, at least or? do it correctly. <laughs> Man. Wow, it's good stuff. Well, here's I, the good. I how far away was Lillard? That that really grinds my I don't gears know. Well, that he wasn't let's, on there. Let's give you the point total. He had like 55 straight nights. Harden was at 34 and a half per game when the season was suspended. Bradley Beal, 30 and a half. Giannis and Trey Young both at 29.6 per game. And we'll see if we can find. Damian was fifth at 28.9. Oh, so you were right yeah. there, Ben. <laughs> and then Luca right, right behind him, so. So Doncic, Doncic was one of the injured guys, and the other injured guy that I wanted to throw out was Carl Anthony Towns. There you go. Yeah, I he, totally got your hint, Josh. I knew when you said that it was Bradley Beal, but I yep. did not know it was Trey Young. Well, the other the I hint I was going to give for Trey Young is he participated in the uh, the horse competition on ESPN. Well, the thing about Trey Young is he is the only good hawk and shoots sixty times a game. <laughs> True. Yeah, and I bet he's also right. I bet he's also top two in the NBA in turnovers. Yeah. 
I would hard. I would not have guessed I would not have guessed him. Uh, there would have been at least four or five other guys that I would have guessed before Trey Young if I hadn't looked. So that w- that was a tough one. But we do we do have three questions left, and we're going to save all of those Perfect. for next yeah. week. Good. I hey, save so, save you guys some work. That's right. Exactly. Thanks, Ben and Greg. Hey, that was that Just was doing uh, my part. interesting, Ben. Thank, yeah, thanks. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's not how it's gone every week. Okay, Brett. I'm going to throw this disclaimer out for for Brett, <laughs> okay, for that's Tim, true. for week everybody one, else. One, yeah, this is so the... hard to do on oh, the spot. Okay, okay. like to, okay. to answer yeah. these questions on the spot is really difficult. Yeah, yeah. I thought so you were. I think one of these times we're gonna me and Greg are gonna come up the questions and let, okay let Josh, Tim, oh gosh, <laughs> Josh, Tim, and Brett compete in we it. We just so don't they, have the. Bu- so we have to make up our own buzzers and stuff. They can take a big old. Not even just a slice, but a whole humble pie. Yeah, no, I agree. Oh yeah, it's rough. It, w- it uh, would be it would be rough if I was to be uh, included on one. Of and, and one more disclaimer before we go to break: that's week one. I I'll take complete responsibility. I handed Greg a question. I basically I gave you the answer. Like I literally said the answer when I was listening what, off wow. what what you had already said. I yep. was mistaken and gave you the answer. So that was one that uh, that is totally on me. But I'm over it. you got to fight yep. through the adversity. That's right. <laughs> there you go. Good stuff. This week on Husker Huddle, we're joined by former Blackshirt defensive lineman and stud who's going to go play in the NFL, Khalil Davis. Khalil, how you doing, my friend? Good. How are you guys? We're doing fantastic over here at HSN. What I wanted to do with Khalil this week, Khalil, is get caught up a little bit. It's been about five months now since you left uh, Nebraska. And it's some crazy times we're living in right now. I know you're back here in Lincoln training, but uh, what, what kind of what are you, what are you doing right now to prepare yourself for the NFL, which at any moment could call and say, "Hey, drafts this day, or rookie minicamps this day, or whatever it might be." What are some things right now that you're doing here in Lincoln to train? Um, just staying active, pretty much. Uh, and you know, it's easy to just sit around in your apartment all day because you know you really can't go anywhere, but. Uh, just trying to stay active every day. Um, we have a facility that's um, still open and training six or seven of us. So um, I'm thankful for that because without that, I'd be having to do in-home workouts. Um, so we've been staying active with him and um, just, you know, like <clears throat> like soft tissue stuff at the apartment and that kind of thing. So, so I mean, Khalil, you had an unbelievable combine. Um, I think that you surprised not just a lot of people, but from what I read, you surprised yourself a little bit. Um, the Combine is an interesting place, and if you've never been there, it's hard to explain. But for our listeners, talk us a little bit what that week was like for you in Indianapolis. It's, uh, it's very stressful. Um, it's not what people think, but you're up um, 6 a.m. Um, and I've heard that's not even the earliest, but mm-hmm. we were up at 6 a.m. Um, and then back in your your room at 11, wake up again and do the same thing for the next four days. But it was a lot of interviews. You know, um, it was basically a test all week just to see if you could get out of your character, see if you would um, lash out at certain things. And it was, like I said, it was just a test on every part of um, everything that you did, whether it's talking to the people that are setting out the lunch and dinner for you, or whether it's you're talking to a stranger in the in the street, it's a, it's all a test just to see how well and um, how well you can act in under pressure. 
Yeah, I mean, let's talk a little bit about leading up. We all know how well you did at the Combine, but talk about the process from when you left Nebraska to when you got to the Combine. I know you went to the NFLPA Bowl, I see, uh, or was it the East-West Shrine game? One of the two. I know that you went and you had a really, a really good week. Oh, you're wearing the shirt. Perfect. You went to the East-West Shrine game. That's kind of your first taste of NFL talent. That's really when you first kind of – I got to actually play in that game as well. What was that game like for you when you actually are like, okay, you kind of start to measure yourself, right? You start to kind of say, okay, here's where I stack up against mm-hmm. other guys that are, I'm going to be competing against. So talk a little bit about from when you went from Nebraska to that game to wherever you trained to the combine and like kind of what that process it was like in itself. Yeah, from um, after the season, I spent a couple weeks here uh, to figure out what I wanted to do, find an agent. Um, I found my agent. And then we went to go train in Georgia um, at a place called Gata. Um, and that's where I, it's, uh, it's in Johns Creek. And really that's where I did um, all my training, uh, 40 training, uh, position specific drills. And uh, I trained for that. Since we didn't have a bowl game, I got there two weeks earlier than, than most people. So I was there December 28th for extra two weeks before we got mm-hmm. to January or a week and a half for and got to train for that, went to the Shrine Bowl, and that was an experience. It was similar <laughs> to the combine, but uh, it's it was just another test. Uh, it was it was cool to see, you know, where you stacked up. You got to go up against real talent um, every day, and, you know, guys are really good from different conferences, and it was just a, a good test to see where you stand and how well you could do um, on a bigger, a little bit bigger stage than college. Yeah, so, so you get done with that game. You go back and you train. I mean, what, what are your days like? Are you running double days? Are you running single days? You got, you got days off? Like, what does a day look like uh, for a guy that's training? For me, I, I usually – I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. I might be dating myself here. Groundhog Days mm-hmm. with Bill Murray. He really just relives the same day over and over and over and over yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's what combine training felt like for me. What was it like for you? It was pretty much the same. Um, <laughs> I was, I was in a hotel, so it was a little bit harder for me because going back to the hotel all day, I, I would have rather just stayed at the facility. But um, it's it's pretty much the same thing every day. It gets tedious, but um, that this is just part of the process. It was um, – we had kind of like two different sessions, but we stayed up there all day, so we got there around 9 and uh, did um, – 40 training the mm-hmm. first couple hours. Then we went back, um, ate lunch, stayed up there, took a nap in the facility, and then went back from one till about three, did um, position training, D-line stuff. And then you left, went home. By the time you got home, it was around five or six. Um, you rolled out, got ready for bed, and then did the same thing the next day. So it was, you know, it's not, it's not anything you know, really fun, but it's, it's part of our process. So, yeah. And the great thing is you only have to do it once because now, now it's over. Now you get back to ball training. Now you get back to, to playing ball and Cleo, I, I'm telling you, I've watched you for a long time and I think you're going to be a very dominant three technique in the NFL. I think that you have those, those abilities and we're excited to, uh, to move forward there. Let's, let's talk a little bit about your Husker career, Khalil. You had a great success. You were the sack leader here last year. You played in a lot of different systems, but it didn't really matter. You had great success, and I think that's a testament to your work ethic. I think that's a testament to your knowledge of the game. 
But as you've had time to sit around in that hotel room of yours and reflect back on what it meant to be a Husker, what are some things that stand out to you? Um, definitely when I left, when when you leave, like the, the Husker tradition, it, it kind of amplifies. Like when you leave, you know, for you it would be the pipeline. But when I left, it was like that Husker tradition and Husker, you know, team just – it felt stronger when I left, like – it's hard to explain, but, like, being a black shirt meant a lot more when you left. Like, after you put in five years of work and you're like, man, like, I've really been through a lot. I stuck through it. Um, you know, this is what I am. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Husker for life. So it's – it's and it's fun to be able to watch it from a different different perspective now as, you know, a former Husker. You can watch it and you know, keep your distance, but watch it as a as a fan and still, you know, be a part of the brotherhood. I'll tell you this, watching a game as a former player is a lot more stressful and a lot more emotional uh, than actually playing in the game. You'll figure that out this fall as you watch the guys. But talk to us a little bit about some of these young guys. I mean, this defensive line is in a massive rehaul for 2020. I mean, you lose yourself, you lose your brother, you lose Darian Daniels. I mean, really the only guy coming back that anyone's really going to know is Ben Stilley. But who are some of the guys that you're looking for in this 2020 class to step up and really fill those shoes, those shoes of those three guys that left that were mainstays on that defensive line. Uh, a couple guys, because I, you know, I got to be a part of, you know, the younger guys or the guys that Coach Frost brought in a little bit, so I saw them develop. But um, I'm looking for Casey Rogers, um, DeAndre Thomas, Damian Daniels, um, Tate, um, Keem. All those guys had one or two years or this would be their second year of getting their feet wet. So, And I know I've seen what those guys can do, and I know what they're capable of. So I know that um, those guys will be all right once they get their feet wet. But mm. they are young. And so, you know, it's going to take a little bit, you know, take a couple of uh, – <clears throat> take some time. So hopefully, you know, the spring ball and the fall camp, they, they get that in before the season so they can develop some more. But I think they'll be in good hands. Just need to get some experience. Yeah, I mean, and there's only one way to get experience, and that's by playing. You were able to – you went through two regime changes here, Khalil, and you're going – with Scott Frost's system now going into year three, you got to experience first two years. What are you looking for out of this team and going into its third year, being only one year removed? I know a guy like myself being removed six years <laughs> or seven years, it's very different than you're one year removed. Do you understand what you built? You built the, the base layer here for what this team's going to be. What is something that as you look and you tune in on Saturdays next year, you want to see out of this Husker team and mostly out of the black shirts? Uh, just, a, just a lot of guys um, stepping up um, and younger guys. You know, Coach Frost brought that mentality of it doesn't matter, you know, what grade you are, what senior, sophomore, you can make an impact. So I just want to see a lot. And he, he he's done a lot of this when in the time that I was there, but – I just want to see a lot of those young guys just go make plays, you know, establish themselves and, you know, don't let being a fresh or freshman or fresh or sophomore, you know, deter you of going and make plays. That's awesome. Well, Khalil, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Husker Huddle. I'm very excited, and I'm sure Husker Nation is very excited to see you and your brother where you end up in the NFL draft this year, whenever and wherever it may take. I have no doubt that you're going to have a great, successful career. So thank you for joining us, and we'll make sure to catch up soon. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys.
Make sure I've been McLaughlin. A couple minutes left in this hour of Sports Nightly. Earlier today, Nebraska rounded out their Hall of Fame class for 2020 with the addition of former Heisman Trophy winner Eric Crouch. Give me an Eric Crouch memory of, or two that you uh, fondly reflect back on. Well, the first one's running over the Iowa dude. Um, I mean, that's about as epic as it comes to embarrass a, a defender like that at the quarterback position. It do- doesn't really get any better than that. Obviously, the run against Missouri, uh, the game-winning touchdown against Notre Dame, catching the pass against Oklahoma, those are the, those are probably the big ones too. But I remember quite well his, his Alamo Bowl against Northwestern. You know, it, he didn't start out great through the air in that game. I think he threw a couple interceptions, but busted loose on a couple big options. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, those are probably the, the big ones that stand out to me and probably like everybody else. But some of the most iconic plays in our school's history came from him. The speed that he had been was just jaw-dropping and the ability it, to kind of leave a defender in the bucket. Didn't really look like he was – he was a lot like Taylor in the way that he didn't look like yeah. he was moving that fast. And then you – you saw how hard the work, the dudes were working behind him to try to catch him. Great player, totally worthy of the Nebraska Hall of Fame. Went in the College Football Hall of Fame just a couple of weeks ago, so uh, we, that's why we really didn't didn't want to tap on Eric again for another interview because we basically covered most of his career when he was with us a couple of weeks ago. But uh, he rounds out the class that we've been revealing over the last couple of weeks. They'll be honored in the fall. Uh, then they'll get their plaques up on that uh, Hall of Fame walkway over there just to the uh, south of the Ed Weir track where the Ed Weir track is now. Uh, so well-deserved honor for Eric Crouch. And that leads us into this Friday night's great game here on the Oscar Sports Network brought to you by the Nebraska Lottery. We will replay that 2001 matchup with the Oklahoma Sooners. To me, it was a bit of a coin flip whether to hear that one or the Notre Dame game. That Notre Dame game for a lot of people who went to that and took over that stadium to beat them in overtime was was such a classic, but you, you can't go wrong with a Nebraska-Oklahoma matchup. Yeah, there's no question about it. I think uh, the road game obviously looms large because it, it was that. Nebraska taking over. Not It's not like Nebraska went in and took over Evanston. I mean, this is Notre Dame Stadium. This is this is one of the premier places, in co- the classic stadiums in college football, and Nebraska took that thing over. Uh, you know, it's one thing to do it in Evanston where they don't really draw any crowds, and um, but to do it at, at that place was just amazing. But, yeah, beating Oklahoma in a football game, you know, when you're any team, let alone Nebraska, is, is worthy of uh, rediscussion. They were ranked in the top three, both teams. I mean, it was such a big national game. And then the trick play with the throwback to Eric is just one of the most iconic plays in Husker history. So we'll have that rebroadcast. Looking forward to listening back to that on Friday night. What a fun hour. Not so much for Ben because he had a tough time with the face-off. You'll rebound. You'll get it back next week. I'm confident. Still confident. I don't know. Brett might just be a bad luck charm for you. <laughs> like I said, until Brett sat where we sit, I'm not going to hear a word that that guy has to say. <laughs> oh, it's always great to hear our Husker huddles with Jeremiah Searles and Khalil Davis. Quite an hour. Looking forward to getting this Sports Nightly Baseball League launched tomorrow. Everybody needs to be a fan of the Hickman Harriers. That's all i got to say about that. <laughs> Come on back, another hour ahead.